Good morning, and welcome to the Simmons Car Care Talk Show. This is Mr. Test First, Don't Guess. I'm back. I am back, believe it or not. This is Brian, owner of Automotive Specialist, and along with me today, riding shotgun, is Jim from Frontier Towing. Morning, Jim. Good morning, Brian. Glad to have you back on the show. It's been a while. Missed your 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 fine expert. It has been a long while. It has been a long while. Hope it's I know how to do this. Oh, I think we can. I think we can get through it. It's only a couple of hours, Brian. Um, remember, folks, it's uh, I'm on the radio. It's a super safe Saturday. That means slow down, move over. Don't drink and drive. Don't text and drive. If you're working on your car, use jack stands. Wear safety glasses, uh, no long sleeves if you're running on a, working on a running vehicle, and well, something else I had in there. Anyway, yeah, Brian can attest I tell you, to the jack. You know, you talk about that. I, my employees always say, hey, you know, okay, drive home, drive safe, be careful. The other day, I'm going up Thornydale, and two cars in front of me, there's a three-car pileup. I said, are you kidding me? I mean, I need to pull off to the right and take the dirt, you know, alongside the road. And I say, okay, well, we got past that one. And then not another half a mile up the road, there's a two-car pile up. I mean, what are these people? That's five cars within a mile that are, ran, you know, rear-ending each other. What's the deal? What's the deal? We hit people. It, it's unbelievable. It, it is. It really is. And and it you see it you saw that, you know, two car crashes within the matter of two minutes and on one road. One single road. You know, all the roads that are in Tucson. Imagine how many crashes there really are. Um we do a pretty good job of getting around without crashing, but there's a lot of crashes. People aren't paying attention. They're looking at their phones. They're looking at everything else. Yeah, something's going on because all five of those cars were totaled out. You know, I thought the speed limit was 40 miles an hour on that road, too. They had to have been going more than that to do that kind of damage to these cars. It's unbelievable. Cars cars crumple pretty good, but you're right. The speed limit is, you know, know, I have a lot of people, you know, you see the – you see the, the, the stickers, and I, I see them on cars frequently, and, you know, it, it's, oh, I'm not speeding, I'm qualifying. Okay, I, I get it, <laughs> but this is not a closed racetrack. People on this road are not professional drivers. They don't do this for as a mainstay for their living. So the, the fact that your, that your thought process is it's okay for me to speed because you're qualifying for some race, um, is is lends itself to the fact that you're inherently dangerous. Um, believe it or not, police look at that. I mean, that's why insurance companies look at statistics that, like crashes and crash data and and injuries and and billions of dollars worth of repair costs. People, people, people don't put enough uh, care into it. They just don't. Brian, that's why I'm in business. Yeah, it's, I do it every. I do it every it, day. It's it's just it's unbelievable. I tell you, I, I when I drive home, I, I've got to give myself.
plenty of space in front of me and just slow down and pay attention because, you know, both hands on the wheel because it, it seems like at least twice a week there's a crash on Thornydale. It's nuts. And, and because the road's it's so busy. And, you know, people, it used to be, you know, this was the old adage, um, red means stop, green means go, and yellow means hit the gas, right? Oh, I, I don't want to stop for the light for whatever reason. Maybe my perception is the light's going to be, you know, five minutes. Uh, I'm in such a hurry, I, you know, I need to get there. So I'm going to, I mash the gas, I get through the intersection, you know, hopefully I get to the intersection before it's red, you know, or I got to the intersection while it's yellow, not during a red. Um, and so it's in lieu of seeing the yellow and doing what the intention was, which was, hey, you need to slow down and prepare to stop. You should, you should, honestly, you, I, we teach our guys, and we, every day, when you're approaching an intersection, you need to be prepared to stop, even if it's green. And the reason why is because you don't know where somebody's coming out of. People, people come around from, from run, red lights, do illegal U-turns all the time. And you know what else they have out there a lot of? No insurance, no registration, no driver's license. You have a collision with one of those guys? And you're thinking, oh, well, their insurance will take care of it. Not going to happen. They get in their car and drive away, literally. Oh, sorry, get in their car and fly. You try and get a picture of their license plate? It's fake. It it doesn't belong to anybody. You could uh, could try and sue them, but you got to chase them down. So now you're stuck going back to your insurance. And, And those are the real problems that occur every single day on the streets of Tucson, Arizona. I occur every place else, too, but since we live in Tucson, Arizona, and this is our home, we like to go out of our way to make sure that those that we're better at it than other cities. So, But you're right. It, it's absolutely... Yeah, that's the truth. Right. We, we'd like to think we could be better than other cities. We follow the same pattern. If, if we looked at the stats, we'd see that we're 35th out of 50 or 100, you know, of, of crashes. Probably not as bad as Phoenix. Probably not as good as, as, you know, Billings, Montana. So there might be, you know, we're, we fall somewhere in the middle because we're a, a dense population, fairly large, with with lots of surfer streets, no no uh, real express routes, um, no throughways that allow us or beltways that allow us to get around. So we do a lot of stop-and-go traffic, and that, and that leads to a lot of stop-and-go crashes. So... And, and and this is how yep, you want to start the, the morning, Brian. <laughs> Good morning. Remember, this is live call-in talk show. You can reach us at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. Give us a call. We'll be happy to answer your questions about your automobiles, your computer with wheels. Um, you know, we have been uh, super, super busy for it's just endless. We've been so busy over here. I mean, I've been forced practically to go out there and, and you know, work on these cars myself because we've been shorthanded. Uh, it's it's just been crazy. I I've not seen it like this before. The the motoring public are flat repairing their cars right now. They're putting a bunch of money into them. Uh, the the cost of the new car right now is so expensive. 
that people can justify doing these huge repairs on their vehicles, you know, putting an engine in it or putting a transmission in it, which either one of those is very expensive today. But uh, they're doing it. I mean, they're just flat, you know, they like their car. It's paid for. They can justify doing those kind of repairs, you know. I've seen uh, also, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of vehicles where they've been neglected, meaning extended oil changes, meaning going over the 3,000 or 5,000-mile oil change interval. Uh, People stop. Look, oil is cheap. Motors are not. Timing chain jobs are not. Cam phasers, which almost all of your vehicles have cam phasers in them now, they're controlled by oil. If you neglect to change your engine oil, you will damage these components. And trust me, doing timing chains, timing chain guides, Cam phasers, cam phaser actuators is a huge deal. They can get into thousands of dollars to repair all this. All because of an oil change? It's this funny is you true. mentioned that, Brian. It's funny you mentioned that. I, I have a I acquired a an eighteen F one fifty with a with the three point five EcoBoost twin turbo. Incredible oh boy. vehicle. Yeah, oh boy. And I thought, wow, this is this is really neat. So it required some repair, and it had thirty thousand miles. An eighteen with thirty thousand miles. I started up, and I, I'm not kidding you. I thought it, I thought the motor was gonna explode, and I shut it off. And I was like, holy Toledo, because I didn't know anything about the EcoBoost. I mean, I heard about it, but I didn't really pay that much attention to it. Yeah, it's a it's a Ford motor. We a lot, a lot, a lot, right? I, I fire it back up. It finally, you know, after about thirty seconds, it quiets. And I thought, man, that's one noisy lifter, or multiple noisy lifters. And then I started doing the research, and I ran across the fact of phasers. I had no idea what a phaser was until I started researching it. And at thirty-one thousand miles, because the oil wasn't changed, the phasers are garbage, literally junk. They will. They you cannot make them. You cannot make them work. And I and folks, I have tried everything. I hold my gas, my foot on the gas pedal, trying to delay start. You know, hoping that that I can get the oil pressure up better. I literally changed the oil, synthetic oil, three times in a thousand miles. Flushed the system, did everything, and the phasers are junk. They make noise all the time. And I exactly what you said, Brian. I looked at the parts, I looked at the price, and I and you know, at thirty five hundred dollars was the start price to do phasers on a three point five EcoBoost. You know, I, I had to sit back and went, Wow, this is nuts. This is crazy. Yeah, it it's absolutely crazy. Because you you, you go in there and you're replacing the phasers 
which the, the purpose of the phasers is to advance and retard the camshaft timing. This is all so we can get the best fuel economy out of this vehicle and the, and the most power in it as well, because they're, you know, the cubic inches are much smaller than what they were 30 years ago, you know, and they're all controlled by oil and oil pressure. So you've got the phasers, you've got the actuators, you've got the chains, you've got the guides, you've got the chain tensioners, and a ton of labor to go in there and change all this stuff. I mean, it's huge. Now, the first time I seen an EcoBoost taken apart to do this job, I went, oh, my Lord. This is insane as to all that has to go into, you know, to change all this. And super expensive. And again, all because of lack of maintenance, lack of oil changes. You know, I... I'm a firm believer, 3,000 miles on regular paraffin-based oil and, you know, not over five on synthetic. Just change it. That's all there is to it. It's cheap compared to the alternative if you go too far. I mean, we had a Honda in here the other day, um, you know, bring it in. It's making all kinds of noise from the front of the motor, um, multiple codes, and we're going... What's going on here? You know, first thing we do is check the engine oil. Well, it's barely touching the end of the dipstick. Oh, my gosh. We get it. look up at the window sticker in the car. Yeah, well, it's 3,000 miles past due, according to that. This could have been avoided easily. So, you know, place. and that particular bill was, I believe it was over $2,000 on that little four-cylinder. So, you know, what would have been easier? You know what I'm saying? Right, and I, 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 I like to think I'm, I'm fairly technical, but when I looked at the, the, the repair time and the repair procedures to do phases on a, on a EcoBoost, I wasn't up for it. I, I'm just not up for that. It's, there's a lot of things that go into play. There's a lot of, a lot of, you know. Getting timing chains back on, not that I can't, but getting <laughs> four camshafts lined up exactly right and putting them back together and then putting them, rebuilding the motor, basically, because you've got it completely tore apart. The front end's tore off, the, the valve covers are off, and, and I'm, I'm looking at this going, this is a tremendous a lot, amount of work with a ton of technical knowledge required just to do this job. That could have been prevented if somebody had bothered to change the oil once in thirty thousand miles, but they didn't. So there I yeah, said, not to mention wire. too, you know the the cost the cost of the special tools to hold everything in place too when you're setting this thing up is just huge. I mean, I had a few years back had to go out and buy a master kit to hold the camshafts in place while you're doing these jobs. That box of different tools to hold everything in place while you're doing this is about three feet long, two feet deep, and a foot tall. 
Holy of Toledo. different things to hold camshafts, crankshafts in place while you're doing the timing change to get everything in time. It's it's just it's intense. I mean, this is something you you just can't say, "Hey, I'm going to throw my car on jack stands and do this in my driveway type deal." It ain't happening. No, because once you and this is not something that an inexperienced person's going to do either. I mean, you have to have a brain to actually go in there and do this. Very complicated. Very. Very complicated, and and like you said, that that box of tools, because what if you've never done it before? Even a, a regular timing chain on a V8, what happens as soon as you take it off? There's pressure on one of the valves. It pushes the cam, and now it's now your cam is out of time. Well, okay, you got one camshaft. You can take a wrench and push it back into place. Do four and hope you get those straight. Ain't gonna happen if, unless you unless you hold it right to, from the get go. You're right. It's it's not going to happen. It's going to be out of time. There's no way to get it back in time, and then you can tear it back apart and do it all over again. Or buy a motor when you start it up and, yeah. and start bending things. So yeah, we had we got a Subaru in here right now. Four camshafts. The guy had the timing belt two teeth off. Okay, wow. he changed it himself. Two teeth off. Technically. That's 30 degrees off. 30 degrees is a lot. And guess what happened? (laughs) Valves crashing into pistons. What happens then? No compression. This is a 2015 Subaru WRX. You know, fast car, 2.5 liter. And it... It's just, it, it needs a motor, you know. The engine cranks over like it's got no compression. Uh, check the compression, you know, cylinder 1, 50 pounds, cylinder 2, 25, cylinder 3, 20, cylinder 4, 50. Internal engine failure. It needs to be replaced. It, to go in and rebuild this thing would cost more than it would just to replace it. All because somebody took it upon themselves to hang a new timing belt on this thing and unfortunately got it two teeth off. Two teeth off. So wow. That's a that's a huge two. amount. And 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 probably if and somebody's and so the and the inevitable question is, is well why can't we just do the head? Well it's just bent valves. We should be able to just do the head, right? Why can't we do the head? What about the holes in the pistons? Well, okay, the holes in the I was thinking the cracked. I was thinking the cracked valve guides in the head because then when they bend, they inevitably crack the valve guides. But yeah, now there's holes in the pistons. Yeah, it's junk. On the plus side, you get a you get a rebuilt motor with zero miles on it, so you you get to reset the motor clock on your on your car. I think that's kind of an expensive way to perform that function, but but hey, <laughs> that's what you want to do. It works. Yeah, it's crazy. So, crazy. That, All back to maintenance, crazy. you know. It take care of your car; it'll take care of you. You know what I'm saying? It, it, exactly. That's just the way it is. You know, like my own diesel. You know, I was talking with a guy the other day. He says, "Well, hey, my Toyota Tacoma. I got about ninety thousand miles on it. Uh, 
what do you think needs to be done? I haven't done anything. I says, good Lord. I think you need to flush every single fluid in, that's in this vehicle. I, I, I mean, my personal diesel, I change all the fluids in it every 35,000 miles, whether it needs it or not. Now, maybe that's a little excessive as far as the maintenance goes. But look, that vehicle's going to last me forever because all those fluids are renewed at 35,000 miles. Now, is that expensive on a diesel? Sure is. You know, you're, you're talking four quarts in the differential instead of two. Synthetic, of course, expensive. You're talking uh, cooling system instead of holding two gallons, it holds five. You know, you're talking an engine that holds three gallons of oil versus four quarts. It, so all the quantities are doubled, tripled, and they're all synthetic. So you've got front differential, rear differential, transfer case, transmission, engine, power steering, brake fluid. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. You know, and I just go ahead and do it. And do I scream and, <laughs> and jump up and down? Yeah. It's not free. It's not free to me. And my time is not free. You know, time, that you know, I'm at a point in my life where time is very, very valuable. You know, I'm on the back half of this deal. So, you know, every day, every minute, to me, is very, very valuable. And, you know, I cherish that. But when I have to do all those things, yeah, it hurts. It would anybody. You know, but just go ahead and do it. And the guy with the Toyota says, yeah, I agree with you. Let's do it. Do it all. Get it done. So let me ask so, you. It's just something to think about. And, you know, it's the best advice that you could get. Um, you keep, I mean, I've got a Honda Accord that comes through our shop. And we've been working on this thing since it had about 50,000, 60,000 miles on it. I'm proud to say that that vehicle has over 500,000 miles on it now. 500,000 and still going strong on the same motor, the same transmission that it came with when it was new. How many stories do you hear like that? Do you know why that happened? That customer comes to our shop and performs his oil changes every 3,000 miles. He does his timing belt on that vehicle every 80 to 90,000 miles. Water pump at the same time. You know, we're ta you, you talk about timing belts. What do you do when you do a timing belt? You just don't. It's not like the old Ford Pinto where you go out in your driveway and you hang a new timing belt on it for you know timing belt back then cost about seventeen dollars. Take the plastic cover off on that Ford Pinto and you can slide that new belt on in about fifteen minutes. Well, it's a little different now. Takes a little bit of time. But on that V6 and that Honda Accord, you know, you're changing the timing belt. You're changing the water pump because the water pump's driven by the timing belt. 
You're changing the timing belt tensioner, idler, pulleys. Everything in there gets changed at the same time. And on top of it, when you get the the cooling system open, it's a good idea to change the thermostat. That thing that's always, you know, forgotten. You know, what are the most overworked pieces of equipment in your car is the thermostat. Because it's constantly opening and closing, opening and closing, opening and closing the entire time that motor is running. And after time, the spring in that thing gets weak, and it can stick open. It could also stick closed. Sticking open, well, it's going to run cooler than it's supposed to, and you're going to have problems with fuel economy. Some vehicles are going to set a code for a cooling system below threshold, which means, in English... The car is running too cold. It's not getting up to operating temperature. Because, your, you know, today's cars, they want that bad boy running over 200 degrees constantly. Not 180, not 190, over 200. Because that's when it stays in fuel control. You know, I had, uh, years ago, I was driving to the radio show, and we did it way across town on the east side in the middle of winter, and I was going, good Lord, I'm not very warm in my vehicle today. Well, yeah, it's cold outside, but the heater should work, right? Well, it wasn't working as good as it could. Lo and behold, you know, the next week I brought the truck into the shop, changed out the thermostats, which a diesel mine has two. I changed them both out. And yay, I got heat. Nice and toasty warm in that truck now. But then again, one other thing. I keep very close track on my fuel mileage. How, mu- how many miles do I get per tank of fuel? I keep track of that to the T. And do you know I got 20 more miles to a tank of fuel than I previously got? Why is this? It's because it was in fuel control. Okay? Think about 20 more miles to a tank of fuel across the period of a year. Is that a huge savings for your billfold? Something to think about. So remember, you can call in to 719-1490. That's 719-1490. We're live on ESPN, 1490 AM. I was going to ask you, Brian, about your uh, your diesel um, and the cooling system. How many uh, EGR coolers and OLA coolers have you seen fail for lack of cooling maintenance? On my Duramaxes, not many. Um, on the Fords, quite a few. Quite a few, especially on the six liters. They're, uh, you know, EGR coolers failing, and then you get antifreeze mixing with 
engine oil and antifreeze going out the exhaust, and it's just a huge problem. Huge problem. Huge expense, you know. Huge expense. I mean, everybody says, well, you know, that antifreeze is lifetime antifreeze. Well, whose lifetime is it? <laughs> really? <laughs> well, it, it, it's the life of the antifreeze, but... <laughs> Uh, you know the the fluids. You have all these thirty, sixty, ninety maintenance intervals. You've got you know lifetime this, lifetime that, synthetic that. Wait until the engine oil change light comes on, which could be in eternity. I definitely will go over five thousand miles if you wait for that engine oil life to come down to zero percent remaining. You know, all those things were designed in a perfect world. Well, guess what? We don't live in a perfect world. And being in Arizona, it's a hostile environment out there in the summertime when you got, you know, outside ambient air temperature running 100 to 110 degrees, under hood temperature running in excess of 200, 220. Think about how hot that engine oil gets. Think about how hot that antifreeze gets and how it breaks it all down. Heat destroys. Big time. You know, it's funny you say that. That's why you got to stick. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it's funny you say that. Um, People don't think about oil temperature. Um, On our our big trucks, we have, you know, coolant gauges there's coolant temperature gauges but we also have engine oil temperature gauges um and the the oil temperature runs at least 250 on a normally running motor at least 250 so if the engine's running two 200 degrees or 205 or 210 the oil is running 250 because that's just the way the system is so when you think that the that the oil's cooler than the than the uh, water, well, you're wrong. It's not. It runs hotter. And when and when that if you something goes wrong and you're working the truck and you're running up to 220, I mean at 220 it's screaming, folks. That water is screaming. That oil, that oil's running up right, getting right up around 275, 275 degrees. If you don't think that's hard on oil, that's incredibly hard on oil. That oil just starts having all kinds of thermal property issues. It, clean oil, working at its best, has issues. Dirty oil, like Brian says, go, starts, to have, starts to have real catastrophic issues. How, how hard is that on bearings, Brian? When, when oil gets that hot and it's dirty, how hard is that on bearings and, and pistons and rings? It, it'll just tear them up, you know, just ruin them. You know, you talk about the temperatures. You know, my diesel has a temperature gauge for the transmission oil. And I know when I go to Apache Lake, you know, you can't drive very fast, so you don't have a lot of airflow going through that uh, radiator or through the transmission oil cooler. And I look down, and I'm going, oh, my God, motor's running 220, and that transmission oil is 230-plus. I'm I'm just scared. You know what I'm saying? Hot. Heat kills. It 
it's, I mean, our bodies don't like it, the engines don't like it, the transmissions, the cooling systems, and it just takes all those fluids and just wears them out. That's why I say, you know, these intervals of 30, 60, 90, I wouldn't wait for those. When the fluid gets dirty, it's time to change it. When your transmission fluid is any other color than bright red, change it. And why do I say this? I mean, for instance, I always use pick up my daughter's little Honda CRV. I bought it off of a customer that I, I had worked on this vehicle for 10 years. Okay? She decided to buy a new Honda, and I bought her old CRV. Why? Yay! I got 10 years of history on this vehicle. I know what it is. But, you know, I pulled it in, and before I'm going to give it to my daughter, I'm going to start checking some of these fluids. So I checked the tranny oil, and I'm going, hmm, well, it's dark red. And I went into the history, because I had it all, and I says, well, it's been 30,000 miles since I changed that transmission fluid. I said, I'm going to flush that transmission fluid. And on the front of my flush machine, there's a sight glass. You can see the fluid coming out of the transmission. And it was black. Black is the night sky in 30,000 miles. So just checking the dipstick can be a little deceiving. You know, it was dark red on the dipstick. But when we flushed it, going through the sight glass... It was black. So that right there told me, my vehicles, 30,000, 35,000, that stuff's getting changed. You better believe it. So so let me ask you, Brian. Let's say we, we did a service on a truck, and we and we run it, and it's we just did all the oil changes. We did transmission changes, and, we, and we're going to go to Roosevelt Lake, and we pull a, a trailer or a boat, and we and we get it up there, and as we're getting up there, of course, you know, because we're going to go in July, because we don't go in January because it's too cold or the lake's closed. We're going to go in July at 112 degrees, and and we and we run the vehicle, and it's running at 220 all the way. Would you say that the oil is now destroyed, or or severely worn because it got so hot for so long? I'd say yes to that. You know, so so I mean, so then even it, though we only had a thousand miles on it, it might be time to change it again. Yeah, if you're going up, you know, it, extreme temperature kills. That's extreme. all there is to it. So, so it breaks everything the, down. So just because we're 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 go, just because we just changed oil and we worked it to its maximum capacity or beyond, doesn't mean that we should wait three to five thousand miles to change it. We should probably do our due diligence and change it again because the the oil in the in the engine is no longer is no longer working the way it was designed to work. Does that that make sense? Absolutely. You know, I mean. I change, you know, for instance, in my diesel, most people go 5,000 miles. I change mine at four. 4,000 miles, it gets changed. 
that's what I set the oil change sticker to because, hey, you know, if you set it to 5,000, you're going to go over that. If you set it to 4,000, you're going to go a little over that. <laughs> it's just the way we are. So, you know, I use the different mentality and set mine for 4,000. So then I will not exceed 5,000, you know. And I can hear the difference if in the way the engine is running and the way it sounds if I go to 5,000 versus 4. I can hear a distinct tick, tick, tick at 5,000 versus 4. So, you know, you know the oil's breaking down. Again, we live in Tucson, Arizona. Hostile environment. It's super hot. So I can't stress it enough. Maintenance, maintenance, maintenance. Change these fluids when they get any color other than what they look like new. It's time to change them. I mean, you know, you you talk about, uh, we haven't talked about power steering. Power steering fluid gets contaminated. You've got metal parts rotating around and around inside the pump. You're going to get a little bit of metal wear, and that metal's going to mix with the oil. And then that oil is going to go from the pump, of course, because it's supposed to, down to the rack and pinion or the steering gear. So now you've got oil with mixed a little bit of metal fragments going down into the steering gear. Guess what? Those Teflon O-rings down in that steering gear don't like it. Teflon's plastic. That's what seals everything up. Well, what happens when you run shrapnel through plastic? It eats it up. It starts leaking. Now you got power steering fluid on the ground. You got a power steering pump that's screaming at you, making noises it never, ever, ever should. And, well, guess what? You get to put a new rack and pinion in. Well, on these front wheel drive cars, trucks, they're not cheap. And good luck trying to find one remanufactured that's any good. You know, we, what was that, a Chevy Colorado? All that we could buy was a remanufactured steering gear. We put one in. Not three months later, it was leaking. Not a little bit, I mean a lot. At that point, we elected that said, hey, we need to buy a new one. And I don't mean a new remanufactured. Uh, remanufactured is a part that failed and somebody went in and tried to fix it. That's remanufactured. That's not new. So fortunately for us, we were able to go find a brand new rack and pinion, which was twice the cost. But on the other unfortunate matter, this rack and pinion took four hours to remove and install. So, you know, heads up. If you can, when it comes to steering components, unfortunately, it's not like the old days. You could buy a remanufactured steering component in the past, and it would work. It would work for a long time. But in today's world, uh, 
I'm sorry, the manufacturer should be embarrassed that the quality control is just not there. To get a good steering so component, you, you almost have to buy brand new. This so is just is all there because, is to it. Is it because the core they get is garbage, or is it just because they don't care when they rebuild? Or is it a combination of both? It's a combination of both. And, you know, the, what is it? The manufacturers have a certain percentage. I don't, you know, I don't know what that is. They have a certain percentage, you know, be it 20 30% failure rate is okay by them. That's not okay by me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, is it okay for you to get up in the morning say and say, hey, I'm going to have a 20 30% failure rate today, and I just don't give a shit, right? That's wrong. <laughs> that, that is totally wrong. If, 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 you, if you knew that 20%, of, 20 or 30% of the jobs you did were going to come back to you, you wouldn't be around very long. I know I wouldn't be around very long. If you I wouldn't be in twenty percent. You wouldn't be in business. I wouldn't be in business. No, no, because it's just because there's just no way I could afford to have that kind of failure rate. If I had, I would be out of business in in days. And I'm sure you would have the same issue. You wouldn't have any customers in days. Not to mention you'd be yeah. You'd, well, you'd be it's crazy. Free. <laughs> you'd be working for free, and um, um, it, it, that's just that's just crazy. But I understand what you're yeah. saying. I don't like do it twice auto repair. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do it twice auto repair is not productive. You know? Well, and, and, and it, even if it, they it's do just pay not. you, it, and, and like you started out at the beginning of the, of the hour with, uh, I lost time. The only thing you can't replace, time. So I got to do the job twice. Even if I got paid to do it twice, there was somebody else that I... Somebody else that needed to be taken care of that I didn't get taken care of because I had to do this job over again. That and that is the rub right there. That's the critical rub. You you're working a lot of times to do work yep. over and over again when you needed to go on to another another time point. And just because you do the job over and get paid for it twice doesn't mean that you didn't really lose time on the job because there's always the incidentals. The the fifteen percent of Time that that comes with you know you know doing the 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 initial uh, inspection uh, diagnostic and then the the retest to make sure that it actually does work, which don't get paid for, but all that has to go into it because as Brian knows if you don't te- if you don't test it on your way in and if you don't test it on your way out you're going to have an issue because I assume that every job you get Brian yeah. on the way out you you inspect it on the way out to make sure it's not going to come back to you. Well, I I stress that every day. Test first, don't guess. Evidence-based diagnostics, and in the end, verify and confirm you've repaired it. Prove it. You have to do that, or that job will come back and bite you. And then it'll get back into that very valuable thing that we are talking about is time. I I mean, I'm at the age where my time is very, very, very valuable, more so than it was in the past because 
we're on the back half of this deal here. You know, we're and everyone needs to think slope. about it every day when you get up. You know, your time is very, very precious. You need to value it, and you need to respect it, and take care of your time. It, it yeah, just has like to be that way. Like I tell people, I'm closer to the end than the beginning. So, <laughs> I've already crossed over the threshold, and, and I'm looking. I'm looking at, at the twenties and way in the rearview mirror. <laughs> so, uh, but it's okay, you know. It, it, it's just the way things go. I mean, it's, I'm not sad about it. I just, but you're right. There's there's not a lot you can do other than you know try and value the 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 one irreplaceable component of of the world, which is time, and because it, it just keeps going, it doesn't care. So. But yep, and it keeps on going faster and faster. And if you watch out, it's all gone, you know. But again, you can call in. This is live ESPN fourteen ninety AM. Call us at seven one nine fourteen ninety. This is seven one nine fourteen ninety. This is Brian from Automotive Specialist, Mister Test First, Don't Guess. And along with me today is Jim from Frontier Towing. Give us a call. Uh, well, we got a moment. Let's Speaking of time, time's flying by quick here today. Time, you're 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 doing a great job, Brian. You you really are doing a great job this morning. I, see, I have to just sit here, folks. You guys don't understand. These guys, Brian and and Jerry, do this so well. It's all I have to do is sit here and just ask questions and 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 do a little Q and A, and it's easy for me. This is this is these guys are so good at this. They're so knowledgeable. They're so good at this that they can they can make this show fly. It's this is a challenge to do, folks. This I don't know if you know, but if you think all oh, radio is easy, I have a new appreciation for anybody who does radio or TV because. It, there's a lot of things that go into this that you don't even think about. And when it goes smoothly, hey, these guys are pros at what they do. Pros at, at automotive work, pros at yeah. the show. So, I, you know, it really is It really is amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I tell you, last night I was Brian. thinking, well, thank you much. I, I was thinking last night I was, all, I was a little bit scared. I was going... Oh my! I uh, haven't done this show in quite a while. How's it gonna go? Hmm. And I'm going. Hopefully, it goes well. Cause, <laughs> and it is. I mean, we've blown through almost 50 minutes of this two-hour show live, and uh, everything's just just flowing great. Just like I, you know, haven't. Missed a a weekend, so everything's going great. Again, give us a call at 719-1490, So while while we've got a quick second here, let's jump in and do the sponsors. Um, We've got uh, uh, Parker Automotive over there on uh, 5101 East Speedway. Uh, Their phone number is uh, 520-323-1960. And if you guys don't know where 5101 East uh, Speedway is, it's right there at the corner of uh, Rosemont and Speedway. So, you know, when you're, when you're driving, don't look to the right and look at the at tens. Look to the left and look at Parker, okay? <laughs> Stay out of the tens lot and go over to the Parker guys. Um, real nice guys over there, Scott, and those guys can really help you out. Um, well, uh, Spectrum, Ina Road Collision over there on 4425 West Ina Road. Um, Javier up there, 
he can help you out for all those crashes that, like Brian was talking about up there on Thornydale Road. Because folks, they do happen, and and if you think collision, you think automotive repair, oil changes are expensive. Yeah, crash your front bumper and guess again, um, because it that stuff is very very expensive, very time consuming. Um, the stuff it takes to get a to get a fender repair today is just unbelievable, and um, not only on that, dealing with your insurance guys. There's another, is another um, uh, issue that that takes a lot of time, and people don't understand how long it actually takes to negotiate and and deal with an adjuster who's doing his job, not knocking an adjuster. I'm just saying, interfacing with an insurance adjuster can be very time consuming and uh, very trying. So part of their job when repairing your car is interfacing with your insurance person. Um, so and and. It 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 doesn't seem like it's a big deal unless you're doing it, and when those guys do it, they can do it very good, and we take that for granted. We really, really do. We take that we take that um, um, expertise for granted when the, when you're interfacing with and like Brian interfacing with a a warranty repair company, a third party warranty repair company. You want to talk about time? Oh my goodness! There's more time involved with just negotiating, getting the repair done. Sometimes than doing the repair. So, um, last yeah, night, that's uh, a whole other topic that we'll <laughs> have to get into the to... warranties. Um, <laughs> I, wow. I knew that was going to you know, I knew that was going to touch a nerve there because because people don't understand how really involved that is. <laughs> you it, get mad it's when... very time consuming. I'm, you have to have all your ducks in a row. Everything has to be just exactly right, and you call this company, and then they're going. I mean, I could do a two-hour show on this alone. <laughs> I mean, there's some good warranty companies out there, and there's some really bad ones. You know, for instance, I had uh, on my diesel. Of course, I bought a warranty, and it was through uh, GM Protection Plan (GPP). And I don't remember what it cost. I think it was a few thousand dollars, rather expensive. But, you know, I was driving my truck along, and it was just out of the manufacturer's warranty. So I'm going along, and my transmission says, slip, slang, bang, and goes into limp mode. And I'm going, I'm not liking this at all. I mean, I wasn't being mean to it or nothing. I was just trying to pass somebody going 60 because I wanted to go 65, and I didn't floor it or anything. I mean, the transmission just went slip, slam, bang. And I'm going, this is not good. So I come back, and I get to the shop, and, and I'm going, well, what's going on with this Allison? It's supposed to be bulletproof. Well, they had a few problems back in the day. And one of them was with the valve body. Now, how do I know this? I already had repaired my father's Allison, which was one year older than mine. And there was a technical service bulletin to put a uh, new valve body in. And did it correct the problem? Yeah. I mean, it had a problem with incorrect gear ratio air, and it put it into lip mode. Change the valve body, all's good. Down the road he goes. No more problems. So I had the same problem, and I called GPP, GM Protection Plan, and uh, they come out, 
they see what I diagnosed and called the manufacturer. Come back. What did they say? Put a transmission in it. Said, Are you kidding me? All we need is a valve. No. No, no, no. <laughs> Put a transmission in it. I said, whoa, this is pretty crazy. So we put a transmission in it. Anyway, this story gets even better. So I got a transmission from General Motors. Technician puts it in. I'm sitting here at my desk. And right out the window here to the first bay is my truck. My truck comes down, hits the floor. Technician starts it up. Shifts it into reverse. I thought the whole transmission was going to come out of it and hit the floor because I heard this huge bang. That thing went to a 100% duty cycle, full line pressure as it was shifted into reverse. So it'd be kind of like holding it all the way to the floor and shifting it out of park into reverse. Just imagine all that torque, all that power. Yeah, that was a problem. So it gets crazier from here. So I call up General Motors now because this isn't GPP's problem. It's General Motors' problem now. I call them up. They say, diagnose the problem, which I did. I'm test first, don't guess. Remember that. And I call them back and say, yeah, well, I confirmed this, this thing's junk. And they said, okay, we'll send you a new one, and we'll pay you to put it in. Are you kidding me? I just got paid twice to put a transmission in my own vehicle. That's a pretty good warranty. Now, I've seen the opposite to this well. I've seen warranty companies where, okay, let's call them up, and they want a dicker, and they want to sit and whine and complain about labor, no, that's too much, we can't pay that much. And I says, well, this is what the labor guide says, and quite honestly, it's not enough anyway, most of the time, to do the job right. So they want to dicker with you on that. They want, And then you get some of these companies that want to send their own parts from some of those online, I'm not going to get into who is who and what is what, but let's just say some of these online car parts places, they want to send you parts from them. I think it's called Amazon today. And then we don't get to, well, it, it's that and a few others, but I'm not going to pick on them. The, the thing is, is those parts are inferior. And the problem, when you buy these parts online, you know, it, it's one thing when you buy parts from a local supplier, and if you have a problem, that local supplier is usually going to take care of you and take care of you quick. Okay, you go buy a part from one of these online places, and it fails. Good luck trying to get it warrantied. You may, you may not. And how much, again, let's get back to that time factor. How much time is wasted? How long do you have to wait for that part to get to you? It's going to be a day? Is it going to be an hour? I don't think it's going to be an hour. If you bought local, it might be an hour or two. But online, 
It could be a day. It could be a week. It could be two. I mean, you're at the mercy of the online place and shipping. You shipped anything lately? Mailed anything lately? You noticed it slowed down? It's gotten to the point where, you know, you almost have to pay your bills a week in advance of when they're due rather than a few days like you used to. It used to take a few days to mail a letter to Minnesota from Arizona. Now try a week. Same goes with, you know, your phone bill or your cell phone bill. You know, I watch everything real closely, and I noticed, you know, when I mail Verizon, I'm going, good Lord, it's taken a week and a half for them to even get the payment. So same goes with your parts from your online places. You know, you're at the mercy of the shipper. And then what if the part gets lost? Oh, boy, I've had that happen before. Now you're out weeks. Or damaged. You know? Or damaged. Yeah. Part or damaged. damaged and shipped. And yeah. it was the only one you could find. I remember the time. I remember the time years ago I I ordered a new AC machine, and Snap-on goes, "Yeah, we're going to drop ship that thing." Well, drop ship is they order it and ship directly to you. So, anyway, the thing gets here, and they literally drop shipped it. I took the box off the top and the inside all this everything fell apart. That thing had to bounce down the freeway all the way from Phoenix apparently because it was junk. So there you have it. I understand we got what about a minute left? I think we got like thirty seconds. Well this is Brian with Automotive specialist, Mr. Tespers, don't guess. We're coming up at the top of the hour. Time's flying by here today, that's for sure. So we'll be back after a few minutes on the Simmons Car Care Talk Show. 